Hey, it's Yoda Bud. I've been working with young people and adults for more than 40 years, helping them to live their best life. Now on this podcast, I do it for you too. That's why we call it At Your Best. So I can help you become your best self each week. So let's explore stories from all across Canada and celebrate how strong we really are, even when we feel at our weakest. On this episode, it's no surprise that the conflict in Israel has taken the world by storm and is deeply affecting the lives of Jewish communities and many communities all over the world. And this week, we talked to a rabbi in Winnipeg about how this is hurting people in Canada, a former wartime correspondent, and how difficult it can be to cover devastating conflicts like this, and how to talk to your children about how traumatic this can be and how to move forward with it. So sit back, relax, and get ready to listen to ways we can help make you be at your best. We really need to talk about how to come together. So let me tell you about my week. Last Saturday, midday, middle of a Jewish holiday and the Sabbath. So it's like a double whammy. Saturday being our Sabbath, Friday night till Saturday night is the Jewish Sabbath. Um, typically for me, it's a time where I don't use electronics. I don't really go anywhere other than to perhaps the synagogue. Uh, but other than that, uh, no TV, no electronics, no phones, none of that stuff. So um, not really plugged into what's going on in the world. I do get a paper, a newspaper, uh, a couple of them, uh, read those Saturday morning, but it's typically, you know, as you know, Friday's news. So about noon, one o'clock, I get a phone call. Someone, uh, not a phone call, a knock on the door. Uh, one of my neighbors comes by to uh, let us know that uh, there's something horrific going on. And then my son comes over to uh, talk about uh, what's going on in the world and wants to know what we know, if we knew anything. And uh, then it all began for me and then for my family. And what began a week of and is still in play is a week of helping people cope, understand, grieve, and um, basically just kind of get through these horrific, horrific events. So day by day, I'm dealing with my own stuff, my own anxiety, my own, you know, obsessive compulsive need to get all the information I possibly can about what's going on in the world, feeling ever so, you know, uncomfortable, pains in my stomach, at the same time taking phone calls and text messages and WhatsApp chats and other forms of online activity in order to help support friends and, and neighbors and family members who were all impacted directly by what went on in Israel last weekend been a difficult week, my friends, been a very, very difficult week for me personally. And I've been thinking about how I could show up and meet with you all tonight and, and be a part of this in a way that is uplifting, supportive, and helpful, yet at the same time, be honest about how I'm feeling and how uncomfortable I am. And let me tell you what I'm uncomfortable with. I'm uncomfortable with any situation anywhere in the world where people are beaten, shot, killed, mutilated, or otherwise because of what they believe in and because of how they pray, because of where they pray, because of who they pray to, what color they are, what sexual orientation they might have, what their religious beliefs are, and so on and so forth. There is a never a point at which violence, horrific or otherwise, is a solution. It's never a solution. It's not a solution to hit your kids. It's not a solution to punch your neighbors. It's not a solution to, to wage war on civilians. Listen, armies fight armies, and they have for ever and ever and ever, going back to you know all the Bible stories that you want to think about and then some, right? But civilians, helpless civilians, you know, it's not the first time. This is horrific. We're all, we're all seeing this, hearing about it, watching it, listening to it, see how it's all unfolding. But it doesn't take, doesn't take you too far back to 9-11, right? where we all came together, the world came together at a horrific time and mourned for one another and supported one another. Somehow this isn't happening quite the same way. And that's the reason that this show tonight is so important for me to share with you and for you to be a part of with me. Because tonight is about healing, about sharing, about understanding how we feel without getting involved in the political conversation or the, anything that's decisive. Not a time to be decisive. And by the way, just because your neighbor has a mezuzah on their door, that's the thing that's off the side of the homes of most Jewish families, or whether you're a well-known 
person in the Muslim community or Christian community, Catholic community, Buddhist community, doesn't matter where you pray, who you pray to, how you pray, how often you pray, or if you pray at all. We're friends. We're neighbors. This is Canada. This is the land where we love one another. This is the land where people can come from other places. So this week has been very difficult for me as I have, you know, I have a brother that was there. I have a nephew that was there visiting. So many Jews from across the world were in Israel during this terrible attack because it's the time of year for Jews where they celebrate. It's very, very festive. We celebrate the receiving of the Torah, the, 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 the scrolls, the, the Old Testament, if you will. That's, you know, huge celebration. And for that celebration to be tied into a Sabbath is like double whammy, right? Like a, like a double plus. So what I'm trying to say here is together tonight, I need your help. I need you to share. I need you to call. I need you to text. I need you to be a part of this. We need to together be a part of this. We need to understand how we can cope together. So as I'm listening to stories from family member after family member of, of my relatives, of my friends and so on, my, who have grandchildren serving in the army, have children serving in the army, have people there visiting, rabbis that I know from all over the world were there uh, for various functions and, and so on. My wife is very involved in a, in a, in a youth organization, Jewish youth organization, where the intent of the organization is to send as many Jewish kids to Israel for the Israel experience as possible. She knows so many young people that are affected by this. Everywhere I turned all week long, I had to be Yonabud therapist, not Yonabud coach, Yonabud therapist. And to do that, I needed to keep my own stuff together. So we're going to talk about that tonight, how I did it, how you might do it, some of the skills and strategies required for doing so. But don't kid yourself, the world is in shock. And because we're all in shock, we need to do, we need to share and work together to come out the other side of this thing whole and in one place, in, in one piece, excuse me. We're all human. We all walk and talk for the most part. You know, we walk and talk and chew and eat and swallow and breathe. Doesn't matter what you eat, where you come from, the language you speak, doesn't matter. We're humans. Humans don't do this to one another. Humans don't mutilate and, and, and wage war on civilians. This is not... This is not normal. This is this is jungle warfare, jungle warfare, warfare, terrorism at its highest. And by the way, success to the terrorists because they've got the whole world upside down. So tonight we're going to over we're going to try to overcome evil with goodness and with kindness and with words of support. And that's how we're going to make it through and come out the other side. So thank you so much for being a part of this. I'll tell you, we're, we're, we're spinning now over to, to uh, Winnipeg and Manitoba. Um, the big rally on Tuesday this past week, uh, thousands gathered outside the Asper uh, Jewish community campus um, for a rally in solidarity with Israel and its people, giving Winnipeg's Jewish community an opportunity to stand directly with those that were affected by violence. A couple of thousand people showed up. Uh, according to Robin Shapiro, she was there. I'm sure everyone's affected in their own way, all for the negative. The posts that I've seen on Facebook and Instagram, everybody is broken, including myself. We just feel that um, Hamas has taken our, our all of our morale, but I know that we can rise above it. And truth is that terrorism has already worked. We've already got a world up in arms, people looking at each other sideways, whether they're black, white, green, or yellow, whether they have a kippah on their head or they where hijab doesn't really matter. We're all kind of looking at each other, wondering what side of the equation we're on. I'm joined tonight uh, by Matthew Leibel. He is a rabbi in Winnipeg, really good guy. And I just was sort of enlisting, enlisting his help to help us understand how you cope. How, what's the spiritual bend towards how you cope through extremely difficult times? Rabbi, thank you for joining us. And Shavuot Tov, appreciate you uh, being here Saturday night with us. Hey, Yona, yeah, very, very excited to come on and, and talk to you. Thank you for having me on. No, it's a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I saw on a, a kind of a quite a, more of a joking note, you know, our producer, Glenn, that you spoke to, uh, he, I, I asked him, you know, did we get the rabbi? Did we get the rabbi? He says, yeah, I think we've got him, <laughs> but he's just got to check with his wife first. 
So I thought that was so so in keeping with how I know things to be. So uh, I really appreciate you being here. Um, Rabbi Matthew, what would you prefer? Oh, you know what? Um, for, for the purposes of this conversation, uh, um, um, Rabbi Matthew is fine. That's what they call me. I work at this personal care home in, in Winnipeg. I'm, I'm not good at this sort of thing because I never expected to become a rabbi, so I never ever imagined my name <laughs> like that. In fact, earlier this evening, I yeah. got to preside over a bat mitzvah. You want to talk about coping during a time having a simcha, a celebration like that, we can talk about it. But I was doing a bat mitzvah, and I told my family a long time ago, you know, it always feels weird kind of putting rabbi at the beginning of my name, I guess, because I never really imagined becoming a rabbi. But it, it's important and everything. But so a lot of times I'll introduce myself at, at a wedding or at a bat mitzvah as Matthew Ivo, rabbi, <laughs> which I always thought was... Which I thought was different, but but kind of cool because you kind of pause a little bit and it's like, oh yeah. So I felt more comfortable like that. So I mean, uh, we're Good we're going to get to know each other here. I, I, I'm kind of relaxed here on a Saturday night, so uh, I'm I, I feel the respect of you having me on. So whatever feels natural to you, Yona, you can uh, you can well, go with the flow. I, I, I think I think if you earned it, you deserve to be called Rabbi. And <laughs> uh, and and uh, but I'll, I'll call you Rabbi Matthew, and we'll be good, or just Rabbi, or. Something like that. We'll see how it goes. Okay, <laughs> yes, you and I, fair, you fair. and I, come from a community of um, people who have lived with for our certainly my whole life uh, discussion and conversation about Israel and situations in Israel and tensions in Israel. Uh, looking at your bio, you're younger than me, so clearly you kind of grew up with the same stuff as well. Um, we've had this in our lives forever. The world has blown up now in our face in some real world, in some real way. Um, how are you helping within your own so, – so we'll get to you in a minute. But in terms of your community, how, what's the spiritual bent on this in terms of people saying, you know, like how can there be a God when things like this happen? What's the, what's the response? Oh, you know, I thought your question was going in a different place uh, until the very end there. So far I've heard from a lot of people, Yona, nobody yeah. has talked to me about God yet. Interesting. It's not so. You about, see that as a you see that as a good too, thing or a bad thing. Um, <laughs> I don't want to comment on people's. I don't. I don't want to make a judgment. I think, I my first what I was about to say to you was, I think that the God part comes a little later when you start getting a little more reflective. And right now it's still too raw, right? Like it's all raw emotion right now. So God, to me, is something that more and more and more each day in a world that I believe is secularizing or has been secularizing for a long time. Remember, I'm, I'm a rabbi, so I, I've seen it. And, and, and again, I'm not making a judgment. I'm just calling the trend, right, as I see it. Yep. Yep. Um, the people's first reaction is not to go to God. You know, I've heard all the time, right, like that time of the Holocaust 90 years ago, 80 years ago. Um, where was God and all that? I don't know if that's what they were saying at the time or what the reaction was like. I don't know if that came later, but I know that right now, a lot of people the last week I've been talking to have been talking to me definitely more than normal, as you probably expect. Nobody's been talking about God. And I'm not working in a synagogue. So you, I, I'm like, well, I don't know what you know. I, I used to work at a pretty I, I large congregation yeah. in Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't work anymore. I'm a, I'm a freelance rabbi. I do gigs for hire. You know, I'm this yep. guy who yeah. is having, I'm doing his great. He says, like, you should have a business card. Have Torah, will travel or something like that. It's kind of like <laughs> me, right? Um but I'm still, I went to, I'm from Winnipeg, with the exception of three years that I lived in Halifax. I've lived in Winnipeg my whole life. So I, I grew up here and I'm a rabbi here. So my, my parents are from here. My grandparents are from here. I've got, you know, like kind of like deep roots within Winnipeg. And, and that's part of why I wanted to become a rabbi. So I, I'm talking to a lot of people, even though I don't have a congregation. Maybe because I'm not in a congregation, there isn't a lot of talk about God, though. I don't even, to be honest with you, I don't even know. I think in the one-on-one -on -one conversations, it's still, like I said at the beginning, so raw, so... Uh, let me, I'll tell you just one last story before your next question. I went to Jewish day school in Winnipeg. There's a Jewish day school system. You can go kindergarten to grade 12. It's something we're, we're pretty proud of out here, right? And I went through that. I graduated high school in 2003, so I'm 38, right? I'm a younger rabbi, I suppose. And a guy I went through grade 1 to grade 12 together. We carpooled for years at one point. So I've known him. He lives in a different city in the States, actually. He's lived away since pretty much 20 years ago, but he and I have been texting the last couple of days. And um, he made a comment that totally I agree with. We, like you said, in the, we grew up, 
talking about Israel. We had Israeli teachers. They were sharing stories of the Six-Day War and the Yom Kippur War 50 years ago, again, on a, on a big, uh, big Jewish holy day in that case, right? And, um, and those stories. And so we've, we've heard it forever. But my friend says to me, for some reason, Matt, I feel like I'm, 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 I'm taking it harder. I'm, I'm reacting more, I would say viscerally. That's not the word he's using. Then, in spite of the fact that we've been familiar with it for, for so long. And he's not the first person to say to me that this, this story, this episode, this whatever, different, different. Is, is, and you said it too, right? Like it's, um, well, just the verbs, right? Like the verbs yeah. that you talk about. I don't like saying them out loud. They make me. And so what yeah. I said back to him was, I think that, that we've gotten older and in some ways we've probably been more hardened by life than we were back then. When, like I'm a parent now. He's a parent now. We have young kids. And right. that, that, when you feel that, when you walk that, you, you, that changes you. That changes you. And I think it changes. I'm learning I now for me that it changes how I hear this stuff, right? Because okay, so I, I put need... myself in those situations differently than I – before I was always sad and I always felt pain. But right. that true kind of empathy – yeah. couldn't exist for me in that same sort of way, but it does now that I'm, I'm a dad and, and okay, yeah, Rabbi, I don't, I don't I, want to think about it too I just, much. <laughs> I just, Canada supports Israel's right to defend itself in accordance with international law. Hamas is a terrorist organization and it does not represent the Palestinian people or the legitimate aspirations of the Palestinian people and it does not represent Arabs or Muslims. Well, there you go. There's the prime minister talking about uh, how this uh, how this fits for Canadians, and this doesn't represent, like he says, doesn't represent everybody. This represents uh, the hate from uh, some, not uh, not everyone that's across the country that is uh, either Palestinian or Muslim or Israeli, um, anything in between. Not everyone has hate in their veins because of what they look like. I'm here and joined this evening by Rabbi Matthew Leibel. He's um, our guest this evening. Rabbi, thank you for coming back. Um, let's get to let's get to some some work here and see if you and I can help make the world a little bit of a better place to live uh, going forward. Um, number one, how are you yourself coping? I mean, you're you're clearly dealing with stuff in the community. You talked about doing a bat mitzvah uh, recently, which is if no one knows what that is, when a girl a Jewish uh, girl is uh, twelve, she celebrates kind of kind of a coming a coming out party if you will of adulthood um for boys it's 13 it's called a bar mitzvah huge celebration so you're celebrating you're dancing you're singing what's going on in your mind because hours before and hours after i'm sure you're helping people cope tell me how that works for you yeah so i mean earlier tonight you know when i was doing i was doing this bar mitzvah you can do a bar mitzvah on a saturday afternoon into evening because we, we, we read the Torah at that time and the, you call up a young lady, like you said, for adulthood perfectly uh, with, with the Torah, the Torah service. Um, actually, it was interesting. Her mother, who wanted to do something a little more unconventional, she spoke at the beginning of the ceremony and she asked me if I was okay. And I said, absolutely. And, and she told me what she was going to say. And then she said it beautifully. The idea of, you know, um, still being able to find joy, still being able to kind of put aside those feelings, to, to talk what you talked about earlier in your program, I was listening to the, the fortune, the good fortune of living in Canada and being able to express ourselves, our, our culture, our religion, everybody can, and being able to take advantage of that, you know, I mean, you can't, you can't control timing in life, and this young lady had, she'd worked really hard, and for a few hours, I mean, I, I didn't stay for the party, I, I came home because, you know, Yona Bud wanted to talk to me, so I had to get ready. But I mean, I. Uh, but but when I was there, and I echoed the sentiment, you know, um, Jews are no stranger historically to tragedy, and the message is always to persevere and to always keep going. Um, you know, your emotions dip; they go up. Sometimes you're particularly happy and like kind of collectively at a good time in life, and other times there's a lot more fear and there's a lot more angst and anxiety, and we're in one of those times. But through it all we always lit Shabbat candles week after week. And we always had our celebrations year after year. In spite of everything, we always keep going. I think that's kind of our calling card as a people throughout all this time, right? Like to be around for as long as we have, you have, you have to persevere. That sometimes just means putting your head down and going. But when you have the opportunity to celebrate, you, you can. And in every service and every celebration, we always end 
with a prayer called the Kaddish, because even when we're celebrating, Kaddish is something for listeners we save for people who have passed, people who have died. Even at the highest heights, you remember, we remember collective pain, we remember individual pain. There's something healthy about that, I think, balancing, kind of building that into the ritual, building that into the liturgy. Um, Judaism is, is good about that. You know, a lot of, I've heard a lot of psychologists and people like yourself talk about kind of ritual and the power that that has. But so being a part of that tonight, I think, and hearing her comments at the beginning and then going through the service and being able to just kind of marvel in a young woman who's carrying on thousands of years of tradition, like that's, that's something that's great. I know that for me, like when you talk about coping, my wife and I, we have two young kids and they, they don't know what's going on. They're, they're not even quite five and three. And, you know, I just like to step into their world. Um, and when my, when my younger son, when my older son was one, was when COVID hit and, and it was the same sort of thing, um, you know, the uncertainty and anxiety. And I just remember, like, he's not into it, so I'm going to kind of sneak into his bubble a little bit too and, and kind of see world like that. And I think that that keeps me focused and, and, and sane, really, you know, like so, level, just right, kind of yeah. just kind of level. Yeah. It's easy to get carried away with emotion right now. Rabbi, um, you know, I spent a decade in the prison system uh, working with uh, prisoners from all walks of life. And, you know, as much as I was espousing Torah and, and uh, Tanya, which is uh, the Kabbalah side of Torah, uh, in the work I did, most people didn't understand it. But it was really about bringing light into a dark place. Um, in your practice, in your work, in what you're doing, in your day job, your night job, your your, your rabbi on the, on, on the run kind of stuff, um, tell me what you do to bring light into a dark place for your community or for the people you interact with. I need a second. I just need a second. Cause rabbi on the run, I just, it was kind of a funny thing. And I like that. I, I, it's okay. It's yeah. okay. I already registered as a website. I'll sell it to you later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it's a great question that I'm bringing light into a dark place. Um, the best way that I can think to answer that in my life is uh, I've done a lot of funerals with families. Mm-hmm. And before you do a funeral, you, you, when you're the rabbi, like in Jewish tradition, for, for people who are maybe unfamiliar, one of our kind of things is our, our funerals, our burials happen very, very quickly. So like 24 to 48 hours after the death. Right? So sometimes a person dies on Monday and they're buried on Wednesday, maybe even Tuesday, depending on the circumstance. So as a rabbi, you, you quickly meet with the family. Now, in some situations, the person's had a long life and the, and the, the meeting is of a different sort of feeling. But sometimes it's very, very tragic. Very, very tragic. I've been through a few that have been, uh, well, you know, like some people do different jobs. And this is something that kind of I, I mentioned earlier, I didn't ever imagine becoming a rabbi. It's not like I'm from one of those families where right. my dad was in business. My grandfather owned a store. My other grandfather was a teacher. Like I'm not like a yeah. eighth in a row of a line of rabbis. <laughs> You know, like in the old days of Eastern Europe or something. Um, I kind of. So, what do you tell people? Well, in those moments, you know, um, in those moments, those are like the darkest moments that I've seen. And in those moments, personally, you just try and stay honest, stay calm. And for me, in my role in those moments, where I'm not feeling it, but I'm, I'm in there guiding and helping. We always have a job, which is to plan the service and to. To, to do that, but I also find that the other job that, that I'm there for is the catharsis of just sharing and talking. It's kind of like yeah. what you're into, right? Yeah. The worst place for something like whatever you're feeling, whatever you're feeling in those situations, no matter how terrible, and, and it should be terrible in those moments, that's usually what I tell families. May you never feel this low ever again. Um, th- that as long as, as long as it's not going nowhere, as long as it's st- not staying inside, that's going to be healthy. That's going to be good. And a lot of families, a lot of families have told me after these meetings that they really appreciated that hour, that hour and a half. There was always laughing and always crying. It's inevitable, right? Talk for that long about a person like you're going to go up and down again. And but so many times the families would say to me, the talking helped or or this was the beginning. And, you know, that in, in Jewish tradition, after a funeral, you have a shiva where people come and visit the family in their home and the stories continue. And it's the same thing like that in, in a lot of visits and it's emotionally exhausting, but I think that's because, so that's what grief is. And, and, and that's a, that's a good way. So how do you bring the light? I mean, you got to start by letting out how you feel. Then you find out that you're not alone, I think. And then you find out that other people are feeling maybe not exactly mm-hmm. the same, but they're also feeling broken too. And then, 
I mean, when you when you don't when you feel broken and alone, that's got to be worse than at least feeling broken and with other people who are broken. There's something you can share is always always a good thing. I think. Talking to Rabbi Matthew Leibel, he is a um, rabbi in Winnipeg, and um, I think one of my new best friends. Rabbi, we'll have you back on again. We've got so much more stuff to do tonight. I really appreciate your perspective and your uh, ability to share, and uh, hopefully you and I can connect uh, offline uh, in, in the coming days. That would be nice. Uh, talking to Rabbi uh, Rabbi Matthew Leibel, he is a Winnipeg uh, rabbi in Winnipeg, and, uh, just a really good guy. So thanks again, Matthew. Appreciate you being here. You know, Yon, I, I really appreciated the time, and yeah, I would love to. Uh, I'd love to connect with you. I think your producer Glenn, who who knew that I needed permission from my wife, I never, <laughs> I never got a chance to explain that. But maybe next yeah. time we'll we'll go in like that. It just <laughs> I need a little clarification it. on what that could mean. Yeah, yeah, you can get my number. and We'll talk anytime. Thank you. Okay. Here's the question for you. Do you think it's a form of discrimination when you can't bring your kids in under the age of 10 to a restaurant? That's one question. Second question is, should children be allowed in fancy, expensive restaurants at all? And has there ever been a time, you want to share, ever been a time when you were in a restaurant and your kids embarrassed you or made it really difficult to enjoy your meal or been been, uh, disturbed by someone at the table next to you with unruly kids that made you uncomfortable and ruined your experience? I want to hear from you. 877-399-9898. Leo is standing by with a phone in each hand. He can take two calls at a time because he's that kind of guy. So here's the story. The story is a place in Toronto. Uh, It's a, it's uh, one of the, one of the um, uh, companies, one of the restaurants in Yorkville, which if you've never been in Toronto in Ontario, Yorkville is kind of like the happening place. Uh, The restaurant's called Adrak at Yorkville. It's refusing to serve children under the age of 10. Uh, it's a business that's netted the, biz, uh, the business itself, a wave of all kinds of negative information, negative reviews and so on. People are really worried about it, don't like it. Uh, but some lawyers tell, the, tell the, the, the reporter here that put this article together, the rest of them might be in the right. They might have the right to do that. So the legitimacy of such a thing, right? So they, are you allowed to do that? So the bottom line is, according to the law, restaurants can determine who they let in and who they don't let in. So in a, in a statement, a spokesperson from the restaurant confirmed that they do not serve children under 10 in the dining area. We always ensure to communicate that policy to guests when they're making reservations through their booking platform. But the restaurant's website reads, kindly be aware that our dining room is created for guests aged 10 and up. So here's another thought. Is there a big difference between 6 and 10? Like why 10? Why not 12? Why not 14? Why not 15? Why not 19? Why 10? Why is 10 that, that, that special age? So the, the spokesperson from the restaurant continued to say that they have another location, which is opened uh, in Richmond Hill, which is on the north part of uh, the Toronto GTA area. And it's created towards, uh, you know, it's more for families. You're more than welcome to be families. And oh, by the way, the restaurant will allow kids to dine in from time to time like Mother's Day, Father's Day, times when they know they're going to be super busy with kids and family. And if they don't let them in, chances are their bookings are going to just go down the drain. They're just not going to get the kind of bookings they want and the kind of generate the kind of revenue they want because it's, you know, family day. It's father, it's, it's Mother's Day, Father's Day. It's when you should be with people, should be with your people, with your family, with your peeps, as they say, right? So, What's interesting here is to understand that there's a time they allow it. There's a time that they don't allow it. Let's see what George says. He's in uh, in Alberta. Hey, George. Yes, I'm an Airgree, and I'm a retired chef, and I've worked in some high-end restaurants, and you bring a small family with small children in the dining room, and you've got people there that's trying to have a decent meal, and you've got little children crying and yanging. I'm sorry. I love children. I had my own. They're all grown and got little ones of their own. Yeah. In fact, I'm so old now that I got great, 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 uh, you know, the Grand yeah. Canyon was a stream when I was born. But the point <laughs> is, small children do not belong in a restaurant. So, okay, okay. As much so, as George, I love George, kids. Okay, I get it, George. And that's great. And, and by the way, I don't think you're, 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 you're that old because you sound so hip and cool. But listen to me. 
you know, I, I get it. I get it that certain restaurants, listen, some restaurants just don't allow it, right? That doesn't make sense. Like allow it in terms of their price point, what's on the menu. There's nothing there for kids. You can make it a deterrent without saying they're not allowed. But if your kids exactly. and grandkids and great grandkids and great, great, great grandkids, all the people that you've known since you came from Stone, as you said, like if you all want to have a big party, where do you go? You have to go to a family friendly restaurant. And typically that's not the best cuisine in town, is it? You know, you're absolutely right. It is not, and it's not even healthy cuisine. It's not even cuisine. It's uh, uh, garabage. <laughs> because uh, you, you should not be feeding some of the stuff in these places to your children. You shouldn't be eating it yourself, let alone feeding it to your children. But you get a. But if if they want to set the price limit, as you said, which is proper, then right. you're not going to take your children. Right. If you got to pay twenty five dollars for that's the way out. That's if you got to pay twenty five dollars for a cold, for a chicken sandwich, then you're not taking kids. Exactly, George. Thanks for the and call, buddy. Not, and by the, and I hope you stay in touch with me uh, as the weeks go on. Let's talk to Ryan in Calgary. Uh, he's not talking about restaurants. He wants to know he can uh, how he can move forward. Uh, Ryan, how are you? Not too bad. How about you? Good, buddy. What's the What's the question? Yeah, I tried to call in the previous segment, but I didn't get an answer. Anyway, um, yeah, I had a serious. So I was sorry. I had a serious um, head injury in okay. June. Um, okay. Fainted, <laughs> had a concussion, okay. and um, since then I've been kind of a long hauler in terms of my um, recovery. So my main challenge at the moment is moving forward and moving to that next step. But it's difficult moving forward when you're dealing with your health all the time. So I'm curious, kind of from your perspective, how would you deal with that? How, what does that look like? Um, okay, great, great question. So the question is, how do you recover from a, a physical situation or a life-threatening situation where recovery is a longer-term process and you got to kind of move forward? So the, the answer to the question, thank you, for, first of all, thanks for sharing and thanks for calling. I really appreciate it. And I, my, I hope that your recovery is swift and, and complete. But here's how you do it, brother. One foot at one, one, one foot in front of the next. One little step after the next. Like if, if getting out of bed is the thing, so you start by getting your feet or hanging over the edge. And then you, and then the next day you try to stand up and actually move. Like take take your recovery down into little bit parts, right? Little tiny bit parts. So each little thing matters. And then as you succeed in in doing these little things, it might be brushing your teeth, brushing your hair. I don't know what your illness is and we don't have a lot of time to get into it, but whatever it is, whatever the physical holdbacks are for you, being able to overcome those in little pieces and then celebrating those for a few minutes. So you drive mm. yourself forward, right? You're driving yourself forward with positive reinforcement by accomplishing the little feats that are necessary to get through uh, the illness step-by-step, inch-by-inch, and that's the way to do it. I wish you well. Let us know in a, in a month or so how you're doing. Give us a call back and let us know what's up. Stephen Winnipeg, what's up with you, man? What's up with me is uh, I wanted to voice my opinion about these children in restaurants. I had an incident happen about uh, three, four months ago at a Burger King. Yeah. Uh, there was this guy that comes in a restaurant with three of his kids, yeah. Uh, and uh, one was probably four, the other was probably five, and the other one was probably six. And they're running up and down the aisle, yeah. screaming and yeah. yelling at the yeah. top of their lungs. Yeah. I get up, I look at this guy, and I said, Sir, can you please control your kids? I'm paying for my meal to eat my meal, my evening meal, in peace and quiet. The guy told me to, you know, F, F off, F yourself. And, he, and, yeah. he, and he gave me the bird. I went yeah. to complain to the uh, manager of the restaurant, and what what eventually happened was the police had to come down. That's a crazy story, Steve. Uh, I appreciate you sharing my response to that here before we go to break. Thanks so much for calling, buddy, and being a listener. Um, you know, and I hear you, and that's happened to me a million times. So the answer is that doesn't matter if it's if it's if it's uh, McDonald's or if it's a fancy restaurant or if it's your local, you know, your local drive, you know, your local uh, country drive-by or drive-through or you know whatever. If people can't take care of their kids and teach their kids how to behave properly, doesn't matter where you let them go. So I'm with I'm with my man Steve. I think parents need to do a better job of keeping your kids reined in. And if you can't do that, feed them at home or order Uber. I think that's the better solution. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah. 
that's what we're talking about, coping strategies on how to move forward in the, in the wake of uh, the terrible events that are going on in this world. We, wanna, we don't want to hear political views. We just want to hear how you're managing, if you're managing, and if not, share with us, and we'll see what we can do to help one another here. That's what this is all about. Um, I just want you to know that someone did send us a text message related to the story earlier before break about the restaurant that doesn't allow kids uh, 10 years and younger in the restaurant. And the text messenger said, if kids are acting like orangutans, you don't have to look too far. Just look at the parents. And they're likely the ones that are swearing at you and flipping you the bird. If they're behaving like orangutans, so were their children. So um, great, uh, great tip. I really appreciate you uh, sharing that with us. And that's right. You know, you looked at the parents. We need to do a better job, I think, as parents to uh, better understand how kids need to behave uh, when they're in a public environment. And it's our job, right? It's our job as parents to help our kids learn that and to be and to be um, and to be better behaved when in public. I mean, it's, you know, there's a way to act when you're at home and there's a way to act when you're in public. And hopefully they're the same, which is, you know, civilized in some way. But anyway, it's a question here that where we are right now is how do, how do we act? How do we focus and cope uh, moving forward with all of this uh, horrendous trauma that we're all listening to and uh, reading about and watching on TV? Have a listen to what experts say about how this trauma affects us. People are being exposed to atrocities, war, violence, conflict, and, and horrifying scenes. Think about this idea of trauma having a ripple effect across society. It really can show up in multiple different places. Being on guard, on edge, uh, super aware of one's surroundings can convey some type of survival advantage. Well, there you go. So there's the experts talking about um, how this, you know, is, is affecting us. And, you know, the Canadians all across Canada, we're all dealing with, with situations here. Uh, we all have concerns about hate, spreading hate, violence uh, within Canada, outside of Canada. And the children are seeing and hearing horrific things, right? But parents, teachers, uh, the, those in the community, we're all getting together to help educate and, and heal these kids in some way. But we need to learn how to, how to kind of heal ourselves in this in this process together so if you if you bear with me and we can work together here tonight for the next uh, bit of time uh, we're going to work through some ideas and some strategies on kind of how to do that right so if you take us back to the days of 9-11 right so during 9-11 a lot of people were impacted uh, by horrific events and there were all kinds of studies and, and surveys uh, gone on that people uh, went through to figure out how this impacted people. We're going to share some of those stats uh, a little later on in the show as well. But, you know, we're kind of relaying the, we're kind of relating, excuse me, the, the, the kind of the experience, the 9-11 experience to what we're seeing now with what's going on in the Middle East. So um, how to cover, how to recover, how do you recover emotionally from a disaster, right? Like hurricanes, earthquakes, uh, transportation accidents, wildfires, wars in the world. And for many people, uh, you know, out, they don't have any outwardly visible signs of a physical injury, but that doesn't mean that inside they're not having a very hard time, right? And I, I think for many people, they're having a very hard time. Not everybody wants to talk about it. People don't ne necessarily admit that they're they're feeling uncomfortable. I mean, I, I've had some, some real issues myself through the week. Uh, what I've been doing is trying to stay in the moment. Um, stay focused on doing positive things, staying, po you know, staying focused on trying to uh, bring uh, light into a dark place when I'm interacting with family and community and people, uh, some first responders uh, that are in Israel that I'm, I'm helping via uh, long distance. Um, and, you know, just trying to, to do what I can with my skill set and my experience and my abilities uh, to try to help where I can. And I think that's one of the things that's really key is that we we, we want to do that. We want to do those things because, you know, someone said to me, you know, Yona, what do you do in a world that's full of hate? Like, how do you overcome all of this hate and all of this horrible stuff? By the way, I want to hear what you think. 877-399-9898 by text or by phone. Leo standing by. Love to hear from you. So would I. So what I, what I tell people is that the way to overcome hate is by providing an overwhelming amount of goodness. So if you think of the world on a scale, right? It's on a scale. So the right side, the left side, you've seen what scales look like, right side, left side, kind of like the, the legal scale, the justice scale that you've seen depicted in, in logos and pictures and, and graphics around the world forever and ever and ever. It's kind of the scales of justice, if you will. So when those scales are tilted, 
by, you know, horrific events, by hatred in the world, by, you know, anti-Semitism, anti-black, anti-gay, anti-anything that people don't like. And when they act out in that way, right, they act out in a way that's negative and full of hate and ugly. The best way to balance that is through acting in ways of kindness and 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 bringing peace to the world and 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 doing nice things doing charitable things and so on right so we balance ugly with 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 really great stuff you balance you balance difficult moments with more positive moments you balance darkness with light you balance hatred with goodness so now is not the time to hate one another by the way it's not the time to look down at your neighbor because they dress they don't dress like you do or they don't look like you do and they don't appreciate the same things you might, but we're in this together. Literally, we are in this together as a as a global society, not just Canadians, but specifically in Canada, we live in a place where people are uh, invited and, and welcomed and, and 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 hugged and 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 brought here in, in in a joyous kind of way to come to Canada. So here's what we need to do. So any following any kind of disaster, people feel you know stunned, uh, disoriented. Um, they, you know, they, they take all kinds of, you know, integration of distressing information from all kinds of places. You can spend all day and all night watching, listening and reading stuff online and in other forms of print and on radio, on TV, uh, all kinds of, you know, stuff from people that um, you probably don't need to know. Right. You probably don't need. I was on another show on our network through the week uh, and someone said to me, you know, like, how do people prop, you know, cope with all of this? You only need the information you need to know. You don't need to see all the death, the destruction, the burning, the bodies, the the, the bloodshed, the you know the disaster. It, that doesn't help us understand that this is a a, a war of uh, hate over goodness, right? Over over uh, goodness over evil, right? This is evil trying to win over goodness. So that's the world that we're living in at the moment. So you might be anxious or nervous or overwhelmed or even feel somewhat grief-stricken for those that the thousands that have been lost on both sides of the equation, right? You might find that you're a little more irritable, a little more moody than normal. So those intense or unpredictable feelings, that's how you know that you're, that you're having some, some negative reactions, changes to your thoughts or your behavior patterns in a, in a way that is negative, that, that these that memories may be reoccurring for you when you're dreaming. You know, you might be going to sleep with these thoughts. It's difficult for you to concentrate or make decisions. Sensitivity to environmental factors like sirens and loud noises, burning smells, other forms of environmental sensations that may trigger you or stimulate memories of some form of disaster, right? Strained or interpersonal relationships. If you're having a difficult time in your, in your personal life and you're looking at the cause of such a thing, it may be that you're suffering from the stress and trauma of the stuff that you're hearing about, reading about, listening to. It's a big part of you know, how we process is, you know, garbage in, garbage out, so to speak, right? Like we talk about in the computer world. We've got Eric uh, from Calgary who wants to uh, weigh in on, on what uh, we're talking about here. Eric, thank you so much. Um, how are you managing to cope with all of what's going on in the world right now? So with the, the world in general, not not that well, but... Um, talking about kids in restaurants, that I've got some some info on. Okay, sure. So, Go ahead. my my late wife, she was exceptional. So, um, I and I don't know where she got it from, but whenever I've got three adult boys now, but when yeah. they were younger, she would take them into the store, and when they would act up and they would be unruly. She would take them out of the store and say, that's it. You're, you're not going to be part of the shopping experience anymore. And it worked for all three of my boys. And uh, yeah, so, so the whole kids being unruly in restaurants, I really yep. struggle with that myself. I could take my kids when they were little to the movies, to a restaurant, anywhere, and they that's would great. be well behaved. And it just requires a little bit of um, a little bit of effort and res well responsibility and and respect yep. for yourself. 
Appreciate the call, Eric. Thank you so much. And uh, kudos to you and your wife for doing a great job. I really appreciate that. Thanks so much for being a caller. Um, have you ever experienced some, any major trauma? That's what we're hoping you call me call me and share. Any trauma that you're dealing with or how you're dealing with the news that you're experiencing today? If you remember back in 9-11, during 9-11, if you were around long enough to remember that stuff, old enough to remember that stuff, I certainly do. People were scurrying like crazy, trying to help one another, you know, at the same time, you know, if you were Muslim and lived in North America, you feared for your life because everyone was out to get you, which is, you know, just not how we need to do things, right? So people are remembering those horrible experiences and people are thinking back to those horrible experiences. As a matter of fact, there was a survey done just shortly after 9-11 and 90% of the adult survey reported experiencing to at least some degree one or more symptoms and 45% of the adults reported substantial level of at least one symptom of stress or anxiety with those closest to the sites of the attack had more substantial stress than those that were a thousand miles away from the trade center or otherwise. Right. Uh, Catherine in Surrey from Surrey, BC. How are you tonight and how can I help you? I I just wanted to, to say that um, I think it's really important if you have an opportunity to help somebody really take it because the other day I was in a drive-through and I saw this he was about 20 and it didn't look like he could talk English and he just kept rocking back and forth but he's right in front of where you order your food and I thought he was going to fall into the car so I was really worried so I um I told the manager um, while I was ordering my food and they didn't seem, oh, we'll, we'll kick him out. And I said, no, I'm worried he's going to fall and hurt himself and fall into the cars. So, so what I did was I just gave him some money and I told him, go get some food. And he did. So when I came out of of the drive-thru, I actually got to see him hugging this wrap. Nice. <laughs> he, was, nice. he wasn't holding it with his food. It, I'm nice. sorry. He wasn't holding it with his hands. He was holding it with his arms. And he was holding it up, you know, like putting it nice. under his under his arm, like under his wing, and pulling it up to his face. And it, Usually you don't get to see the fruit, right? You just see them take off with the money. But he, it was beautiful. And I, I was crying. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice story, Catherine. Thank you so much for calling and stay Thank safe you. out there. Thank you so much. Okay, so you know, you got, going back to the experience that people from nine eleven were, you know, a lot of people had a very difficult time. You know, tens and tens of thousands of people uh, couldn't get to work uh, for days and, and weeks on end. So we we want to make sure that we're we're doing the best we can to keep kids healthier and, 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 you know, coming together to be a part of it together, to rebuild our lives together, to be part of our communities together. That's what this is about tonight. This is what we're sharing. This is what we're talking about, how to stay together, how to come together, how to grieve together and how to how to be supportive of one another. So if you're having a hard time with what's going on in the in, in the in the media and you're watching too much or, or, or reading too much or, or, or you're just somehow, you know, experiencing some direct uh, connection with people that are affected on either side of the, of, of the, of the uh, horrific events. Um, it's very important that you take some time uh, to adjust, right? Anticipate this is going to be a difficult time in your life, right? Allow yourself to mourn the losses that you might've experienced and try to be patient with the changes in your own emotional state. You have to expect that you're 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 able to um, you're able to uh, you know get through these experiences, these horrible experiences, by staying focused on the moment in the moment. So mindfulness is a very important factor, and and keeping an inventory of the world around you, your world, the world around you, your children, your wife, your world, and trying to feel the comfort that you can get from knowing that you're in a safe place amongst the people in your own community and in your own family and so on. So give yourself time to adjust. Don't expect that you're supposed to snap out of this overnight. I'm still trying to you know, adjust through it. You know, I do what I can. It's hard for me to pull myself away because I need to provide the care and the, and the, and the support that I, that I do. That's what I do for a living. It's what I, how, how I, I try to make the world a better place, right? So I need to do that while dealing with my own mourning, my own grief, my own loss, right? I'm highly affected by this whole experience, both directly and indirectly. And when I see things like this going on in the world, I say to myself, oh, my goodness, the mental health ramifications of this worldwide are going to be far reaching, far beyond, God forbid, the disaster that we see that we know took place physically. But this has the ripple effect throughout the world. The terrorism that this causes us throughout the world uh, is probably insurmountable if we don't get our 
our stuff together. That's kind of how I'm coping and just kind of keeping myself together. Ask for support from the people who care about you and who will listen and empathize with your situation, you know, who have empathy for you. Social, social supports are very important. Family and friends can be very, you know, a, a necessary resource. It's imperative that you have friends and family that you're able to, to, to reach out to and just talk about how you're feeling. It shouldn't be a, is this right? Is this wrong? Are they right or are they wrong? You know, there's, there's, there's no right side of, of hatred and, and barbarian, barbarian, barbarianism, um, barbaric acts. There's just no, no sign. There's no time for that. But regardless, just get the help that you need. Talk to the people that you need to talk to about how you're feeling. And don't pretend that it's not affecting you because if you're, if you're human and you have feelings, this stuff is going to affect you. And reach out to others that also might be involved. There's a strength in numbers concept in the therapy process, right? Communicate your experiences. Tell people how you feel, what you're uncomfortable with. Talk to the people you can trust, right? Making sure that you're, that you're sharing how you feel. You don't keep it bottled up inside because that's when things go wrong is when we hold our stuff together right? Stress-related physical symptoms like headaches and nausea and chest pain. You got to overcome that stuff through getting the kind of physical support, the kind of uh, nutrition and sleep that's possible, right? The, the best that you can. Find a local support group that's in your area, but that's, that's you know, managed and, and run by appropriately trained and experienced professionals. Engage in healthy behaviors, things that are good for you. Balance, like I said, balanced meals, the ability to, uh, to, uh, the ability to to, uh, you know, get a decent meal in you, get some sleep, get some exercise is very important. Avoid drugs and alcohol as coping mechanisms, 100%. It's not the time to try to get high. It's not a, it's not a good experience. It's not going to turn your, your, your lousy day into something better. It's potentially going to even make it worse. Establish and reestablish your routines. Make sure you're focused on your routines. And avoid making any real-life decisions while you're feeling unsettled like this. You know, job choices, for example, where you might live, where you might move. You know, I'm not going to live here anymore because the world's falling apart. Not the time to make those kind of rash, uh, hurried decisions. So there's ways to keep it together. Um, reach out to us anytime. We're more than happy to help if you're finding it difficult to find your way through it.